0: so I'll be reading from Revelation chapter 19, starting at verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, and your brothers you hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely passage of scripture. And I pray that as it has encouraged me and strengthened me in my walk with you during the week, I pray that it will be the same for all of us here this morning. That we will be encouraged and be strengthened, that we have a purpose in this life with you as we walk with you. So help us, Father. Help us to, to listen to what your word has to say to our whole being. That we would hear your word and be doers of your word. Thank you for the sacred scriptures. Thank you that these words of scripture are the true words of God. And they are God-breathed and they are profitable to teach us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness. So that we all may be adequately equipped to walk in this world with you. to, To run from sin. To put on the full armor of God. And fight the fiery darts of Satan. Help us, Father. Help us. But thank you again that we have this this lovely passage. And I pray that this morning we would be built up in it and that we would be strengthened and encouraged knowing that our hope is in the almighty God who reigns. Have mercy upon us, Father. Pray on us this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, as we know, was the second of January last Sunday and I finished off a part of a sermon And I thought what could I do For this Sunday, we all make new year's resolutions We've got a, a year ahead of us. We don't know what the year brings I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a prophet. So I can't tell you what's going to happen to you in your life this year But as I was reading through the book of Revelation, and I have been reading through it quite intensely through the month of December, this passage encouraged me the most. And I would like to encourage you with this passage this morning. So that when you go into 2022, you know that you have a purpose when you walk with God. That there is a goal, that you are working towards something, and that is that invitation to the marriage Supper of the lamb The lamb that has risen when you think of that word lamb you think of the cross the sacrifice the atonement Jesus who died in our place who shed his blood for forgiveness of sins So I want to encourage us this morning to 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 be encouraged by this passage Someone said this since Revelation is intended for the churches of his present age. The neglect of this book today will leave the church weakened under the assault of the world. And the church is under the assault of the world. They're telling us exactly what we need to teach our kids. They're telling us how we're supposed to marry and who we're supposed to marry. They're telling us who we are in our our male and female in our sexuality, we are under assault. And we have such a book that that can encourage us, it has profound truths and lots of encouragements to help us walk with God in this fallen world. And I, and I give all the glory to one guy, I think it's Philip Rankin. Um I've got his commentary there, and he's helped me to come to understanding of this book in a really, really encouraging way. In a way that we live in a real world and it's a dangerous world. And this is what he has to say about the book of Revelation. The goal of Revelation is to bring encouragement to believers of all ages. That God is working out His purposes even in the midst of tragedy, suffering and apparent satanic domination. And then he goes on to say this as well. that. One of the main goals of the book, therefore, is to exhort believers to remain faithful to Christ. In spite of present suffering and in spite of the temptation to engage in idolatry represented by compromise with the world system. Because this faithfulness will eventually be rewarded in the heavenly kingdom. Our faithfulness, our obedience to God's word is so important as we walk with God in this world. Well done my faithful servant. Not well done my friend. Not well done my brother. It's the faithfulness that God is looking at. That's going on in our lives. And one of the rewards that we're going to be rewarded for in the heavenly kingdom. Is the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That should encourage us. That we have something to work towards here on on, on earth doesn't mean that what we work towards now we, we basically have this point system no, you will see salvation from salvation flows righteous deeds it's not righteous deeds, salvation and then we go to heaven It's what comes from our salvation and, and, and let's be honest we know that Jesus is going to return someday, soon we don't know the date. We don't know when. There will be signs that will, that will give us an indication, but we still don't know when. Because Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. But will we be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? We know that when someone we know, their children are getting married and you know them well, what do you receive to that wedding? An invitation to come along to the church ceremony and to come along to the 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 wedding feast or the wedding banquet. You can't invite yourself. I think of the latest royal wedding a few years ago in 2018 of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Just because I've seen them on TV and I think them, I know them from that, I can't just rock up at their wedding. I can't gatecrash that wedding. Why? Because I don't have an invitation. If I arrived there, even if I had an invitation, and I arrived there without my invitation, I would get turned away. I need an invitation. It's not about I can't say I know them because I've seen them. No invitation, no celebration. And we all want the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We all want to rejoice and celebrate with great joy, knowing that we are invited to this banquet, this wedding feast. And knowing this should encourage us and give us, give us zeal and and purpose to live the Christian life, to to walk humbly, obediently, and faithfully with God in this fallen world. To be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I want to challenge us this morning like I was challenged. And and I want to ask myself the question, how do I know if I am invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? How do we know? And so this morning, we might only get through the first truth, but this morning I want to encourage us with two truths from Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 to 10 that lets us know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These two wonderful truths. And when I talk about invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm talking about entering into the presence of the glory of God and receiving His blessings eternally. So our first truth to know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb is our salvation. And we read that in verse 8. The first part of verse 8 of Revelation chapter 19 reads, It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Now if you back up to verse 7, as they say, let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. Because it was granted her to clothe herself. And we're going to look at that. Granted, given to her to clothe herself. But there's a few things we want to, we want to see in this passage in verse 6 we see that there's a heavenly choir made up of, of, of a great multitude millions like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out there's something there's, there's there's something going on there there's, there's people rejoicing there's a heavenly choir crying out hallelujah for the lord our god and the almighty reigns Verse 7, let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory because the Almighty reigns. We have a window into God's world, heaven. And in heaven we see exactly what's going to happen. In the near future, someone said this about the book of Revelation. Um, the great purpose of Revelation is to provide Christians with a view of history from God's perspective in heaven. And what should encourage us, encourage us is that the Almighty reigns and He is going to reign when He is finished destroying. Well, in seventeen one through 2, chapter 20, verse 15, God destroys the harlot, the beast, the false prophets, and then finally in chapter 20, the dragon. And his reign, he's soon going to be enthroned, actually happens in chapter 21, verse 9, Then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls, full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Once everything is destroyed, that is what follows. The marriage supper of the Lamb. The kingdom comes, then comes the wedding. So what we've seen in chapter 19, if you read verses 1 to 5, you see righteous judgment. And you see them rejoicing about that as well. It says this, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. That's the world that has turned on the church and the world and they've, they've corrupted the world with immorality. And they've also turned on the Christians and they've martyred the Christians, the blood of his servants And they're all going to be judged. Why? Because God judges in righteousness and His judgments are true and just. And they also sing because of that. Because they've been waiting for such a time and we're waiting for such a time. And we should be encouraged that our God reigns. Because that's what the words the Lord Our God the Almighty reigns the Lord our God the Almighty highlights the sovereignty of God and the powerfulness of God the all-powerfulness of God he sits and reigns and that should encourage us to endure our trials our sufferings and our persecutions because the Lord Jesus Christ reigns he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and it's his grace that we use to strengthen ourselves to endure our trials, our sufferings on this earth. And it should bring great comfort and encouragement to our hearts. Psalm 2 tells us that when earthly rulers go against God and His word, and we've seen that today, He sits in the heavens and laughs at them. He scoffs at them. How can anybody take God on? He's the all-powerful, all-known, all-wise God. And they think they're winning here on earth. They're rejoicing in what they're doing to the church. But what's going on in heaven is they've been judged unless they repent and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. See it's opposite. On earth we are suffering. We are struggling. Yes, there's joy, there's there's, there's encouragement, there's comfort, but we, as we suffer and as we persevere with persecutions and trials, so we are rejoicing in heaven because we know where we spiritually are. We're rejoicing and there's great joy in heaven waiting for us. And the opposite is on earth, the unbelievers are rejoicing, persecuting the church, having fun, but in heaven they are under God's wrath and judgment. You can say it cursed. Until they repent and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what happens when we come to verses 7 to 8. Like I said, we can rejoice and exalt and give God all the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure." And when we speak about it was granted her, we need to ask ourselves, the word her is directed to her, to you, to who, sorry. The word her is the church. It's talking about the church. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen. If you back up to verse 7, the bride has made herself ready. The bride is the church. And who's in the church? God's people. The church is made up of believers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, for I feel, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, Corinthians. And he's writing to the church. Since I betrothed you to one husband, I betrothed you, the church, to one husband. That is the bridegroom, Jesus, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ Jesus, the bridegroom. We are the bride and God is using the trials of of this world, the sufferings and everything to refine us, to sanctify us, which we'll look at in our second point, to make us ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. This coronavirus is, is actually a blessing to the church. Yes, it's not it's, we, we will grumble and complain, but we should thank the Lord for it because it's refining the church to make her ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's for that invitation. And in one sense, we'll see we are secure in that invitation. But it says in verse um, 9, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper. Happy, it's a beatitude, it's the fourth beatitude in the book of Revelation. Blessed are those that have the invite, that have remained faithful to hold on to that invite. The whole race, the Christian race, is holding on to the gospel of Christ. The book of Revelation ends like that. Keep my word, meaning hold fast my word in faithfulness, in righteous action, in in bringing glory and honour to God. We have a great Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and there on the cross, He suffered, He died to forgive our sins, to bring us to our Father, so we one day can be betrothed to Him, the bride, for the bridegroom. There's always been a love relationship between God and His people. And this is what this marriage supper with the Lamb signifies. That there's a love relationship between God and His people. There was a love relationship between God and Israel as a marriage as well. God told Israel in Hosea chapter 2 verses 19 to 20, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice in steadfast love and in mercy and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Again, faithfulness. Did Israel remain faithful to the end? No. There is a new Israelite, a new Israel. Jesus Christ. And Israel is still saved through Jesus. Like we are saved through Jesus into one body, the church. One new man. Colossians chapter 2 talks about that. There's one new man. He's broken down all barriers through Christ Jesus. And in the New Testament, we also know there's a marriage promise which was fulfilled in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5:25 to 27, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing we belong to the church and jesus gave himself up for her and the church is made up of christians it's the holy bride of christ and we are dressed in fine linen now we get to How was this fine linen granted to us? Given to us? What is this fine linen? Well, the question is when were we, or the church, dressed with fine linen? And we should all say, at our salvation. When we were justified, when we were regenerated, when we were born again. We were clothed in Christ's righteousness. This fine linen. His righteousness was imputed to us. And our sins was imputed to Him. Meaning, His righteousness was given to us so we can live a righteous life. A life declared right before God. And live godly. And it was Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. The perfect man achieved perfect righteousness for us by means of his sinless, spotless life. He became the perfect sacrifice. His blood was shed, thus securing an eternal redemption. How do we know that Jesus is the Righteous One? Well, Acts chapter 3 verse 14 says, Jesus is called the Holy and Righteous One. How did he become the Righteous One? Well, he had to die on the cross. He had to die but he also had to be that perfect sacrifice in order to be buried remain three days in the tomb and rise again that showed that he was the perfect sacrifice and 2 corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says for our sake god made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god through jesus So as we now are clothed in this righteousness, we should no longer present our members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and our members to God as instruments for righteousness. We as the church are a pure bride, We are clothed in bright and pure, fine linen. All because of the salvation we received from God. He saved us. Jesus earned our salvation on the cross for us. And the fine linen, bright and pure, symbolizes our righteous deeds. Which we are going to look at, Lord willing, next week. As our second truth. To be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is encouraging to, to know that we don't just, we're not just saved and we sit around waiting for God to return. God has saved us and He put His Spirit in us and He's poured out His loving to us, but the Spirit has been given to us so that we can learn the scriptures but then you'll see next week that the Holy Spirit's there to illuminate and sanctify us for righteous deeds. Not achievements. Righteous deeds. Mercy. Love. Grace. The same mercy and grace that Jesus showed you at your salvation. Are you showing that same mercy and grace to unbelievers? Through good works. Through hospitality. Through meeting needs. But it comes with a righteous character. I love what someone wrote. The Almighty Father planned to give His Son the finest gift a father could give a son. A beautiful bride. So why did God make the world? Why did He put me in it? It was because he wanted his son to have a marvellous bride and he has invited us to be part of it. That's it. And God saves us. We become part of this marvellous bride who reflects God's glory and, and, and love into this world. This world needs to see more of Jesus' love and truth and grace, just like they saw in Jesus, in Him was truth and grace. And they saw that. They wrote, John wrote about that in 1 John. Are oh, people seeing this truth and this grace and this love in our souls? Not in perfectionism, but worked out as we go about living in this world. Because our salvation allows us to receive that invite, but we can't just say we save and carry on living as we please in unrighteousness, practicing lawlessness. God saves us to change us. Our salvation is real, it's there to change us, not to make us perfect. But to help us to be godly in this world. To become less selfish. To become more loving and caring. To be more patient. And we should be encouraged by this first truth in Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 to 10. That our salvation is our invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But it doesn't stop at our salvation from our salvation must flow righteous deeds which flows from a righteous character through practicing righteousness in this world because there on the cross our lord jesus christ demonstrated his love for the church he he loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her To save her and clothe her in His righteousness. To be His people who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, are you and I these people? That the angel says to John, write this, blessed are those. Are you part of those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? And he said to me, These are the true words of God. This is not a fairy tale. The Lamb sits on the throne and he conquers all around him. Through that double-edged sword, through that, through his mouth, the words. So let us be part. of God's plan and purpose let us strive to work out our salvation in fear and trembling to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb let's pray Father we know that your word is so true and so wholesome your word is there to to rebuke us to correct us to train us in righteousness, to to help us to break out of our complacency and to hold on to your truths, to hold on to your word. But thank you, Father, for our salvation. Thank you that our salvation is our invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But help us, Father, to know that it's not just salvation alone. We are saved by Christ alone for salvation. What flows from our salvation is our righteous deeds. And help us, Father, to bear fruit in every good work, please. But thank you, Father. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that you, the Almighty God, and what you've accomplished through your Son, his death, his burial, resurrection and ascension, the Almighty reigns and thank you that we can rejoice in this and give you glory thank you father thank you that we the church we are the bride and you're making us ready ready for the invite to the marriage supper of the lamb give us wisdom father to believe these truths and to walk in a manner worthy of our calling help us father be merciful be gracious to us Please, Father, pray in us this in Jesus' name. Amen.